When the Liberal government came into power, they cancelled some plans to transition away from door-to-door -door mail delivery. We're going to talk about what that means and other things related to mail delivery. My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. With me today are Patrick Scherzer, Amar Masood, and Andrew Fisher. And I guess the first question is, what do people think about the mail now? Like, it used to be a very in integral part of society, but with technology and, and the internet, it's kind of a fairly unimportant thing, it seems. I think people view it as boring, but a necessity at the same time. So it's more than just sending letters, because people don't send letters anymore. People view it as more something that is just kind of redundant in a way, but it also, on the flip side, it's much more prevalent now in the terms of packages and the rise of online shipping and other things. It's not seen as just people writing letters and sending a letter to your friends or something you just do at Christmas, but something you do every day when you're online shopping. And so really, like, it's, it feels less important, but I think you're right. It's, it's actually more important than ever because of the amount of stuff you buy online. And you've seen that in Canada Post kind of rebranded um, in terms of being more package, deliver, uh, package delivery focused than letter focused. But I think one thing I want to pose as kind of a, a question is they haven't really changed their service levels to match that. They still do mail delivery every day um, and they still only do five-day parcel delivery. Uh, I think it would be interesting to see how that could shift to focus more on parcel delivery only. Well, I think, especially with Canada Post, it's who they're trying to compete with, right? And so as soon as you go into a weekend, weekend service, it's a lot of cost to do that, uh, to implement that, especially with workers who don't necessarily want to work on the weekends. Uh, and then you're also trying to compete with people who potentially could enter that space quite quickly. So if Canada Post jumps into something like a weekend delivery, it won't be long before you know, bigger companies also do the same thing. And then all of a sudden they get pushed out and it becomes a cost burden on their end. And so it has to be something that's carefully done in order to ensure that you know it's a successful endeavor on their part. Yeah. But I think like they're already competing. You you can ship stuff through UPS, through FedEx, and Canada Post, correct me if anyone knows if I'm wrong, but they still lose money. So why are they even bothering to still compete? They're like it's not a necessity that only they're serving now. So why not let the for profit companies take over? Why do we need that as a government service still? I'm thinking of like rural areas where they don't have internet, for example, and they have to rely on mail. Uh, in that situation, what if UPS or companies decide to just crank up the prices, right? So a government-run uh, mail delivery would be essential in, to those people, essentially. That's fair. But so should they... Um what about just within mail delivery itself? So we're, I introduced by talking about door-to-door -door delivery. I think that, you know, there was a big uproar when the conservative government uh, said they were going to get rid of door-to-door -door delivery. And that really just doesn't make sense to me. I think a community mailbox saves a lot of money. Um, it makes a lot of sense, especially for the amount of stuff that isn't delivered in packages that don't fit in the mailbox anyways, right? So in terms of mail delivery, why do you still need that door-to-door -door delivery? I don't think you do, frankly. I grew up always having a community mailbox where you had to go down the street and you got your mail every day. The way that it's sometimes framed is that it's very inconvenient to do that and that, oh, it's cold outside and Canadians are hard to walk down the street. Well, if you're outside and you're scraping your car off and you're walking to your car after work or you're waiting for the GO train or something else like that, walking down the street isn't 
a huge issue for most people, and I think it saves a lot of money to do that. Yeah. It doesn't seem to make sense to me to have your mail, which is a smaller portion for what you used to get, delivered door to door all the time now. And I get the arguments about some people who have disabilities, et cetera, to be able to go all the way down to get that. But if they're really concerned about that, that's a very small segment of the population. They could do some kind of exceptions, et cetera, where the, those pieces of mail could be delivered to individual houses instead of the community mailbox. But I don't think there is a need for door to door anymore. That's an argument for it, actually, because so many people are like scared to leave their house or have an excuse or don't exercise. If you can get them out the door, maybe they're like, oh, I'll go for a good walk now. Why, why not, right? Incentivize yeah. people to the community mailbox, make it into a game. Exactly. Like we're already taxing some things to have people live a healthier lifestyle. So this would be one of those things where we could pitch it the other way, where like now you have to leave your house to get mail. We're forcing you to so <laughs> be active. You could even put it purposely further then. Exactly. Make, make it, it like, convenient. Make it inconvenient to get your you have mail. To rock climb. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's possible. What? So, well, like for the door-to-door -door delivery, do you not think that would impact postal workers, the number that are needed in terms of actually delivering that? And do you see that as a problem with the unions pushback on that? Like, was there a big pushback? I don't remember when the Conservatives announced it. Like, was there a big union pushback, or was it? Just something they accepted. I don't remember hearing anything about union pushback. I remember it was mostly the residents pushing back, saying they don't want the inconvenience or the other arguments as well. But I didn't hear about a, a, the union argument around that. But it is a good point. Um, I mean, it, it also does depend on how many workers it would impact. But they're still losing money. Like, so that's just government. Like, that's just our dollars going and paying these union workers. So. You know, are, are we burning $20 million a year? I, the figure I read, they lost $20 million in like one of the quarters of 2016. So that's, you know, $80 million a, a year that the Postal Service is losing. I'm okay with some people losing their job if it's saving a significant amount of money, personally. What happens if we shift over to drones? Because that, there's a lot of talk there of delivery with drones. Yeah. So how are they going to compete then? They have to put even more money into it. Yeah, well, that, that's fair. Just, just generally, like, Autonomous vehicles, a lot of mail is something that would be fairly easy to automate, it seems. Um, so that, like, I mean, the union workers are going to have problems with that generally, I think. Um, one other thing on the, on the subject of, like, the letter mail, um, do we still need five-day delivery for mail? Like, how often are you sending a letter that you need urgently? That, like, if I'm sending something urgent, I'm either sending it priority or I'm sending an email. How, like, why do we, why can't we have mail delivery once a week? It's bills, it's, like, other things. Uh, is that another way to potentially have cost savings? Or what, are, what would be the ramifications of not having daily mail delivery for, for letters and things like that? I don't think there's any huge ramifications. I, guess, I mean, I guess it depends how much you use it. If you're an older person, you don't have the internet, you don't do anything online, then you might rely on getting your cable bill and your visa bill, et cetera, to your house. Mm -hmm. And you would want that maybe coming more than once a week. But I think if you scope this out and go forward 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, I don't think you would see daily mail delivery every single day. It just wouldn't happen. Or you would have it done by autonomous vehicles or drones or something else, and then it can come 24 hours a day whenever because there's no labor cost with doing that. Yeah. If they have drones, it can be like Harry Potter. They drop it through the <laughs> chimney as well, right? Um, but even now, if I'm someone who gets, my, you know, my father still gets all of his bills through the mail, and you still have weeks to pay them always. There's such a big buffer time. So really, it's never that 
you know, if it's delayed three days, that it would have really made a big difference. And on that point as well, if we shift away from this necessity of the mail, it would actually allow companies to have shorter billing cycles because a lot, I think a lot of that buffer they build in might be because they don't know exactly how long the delay would be and things like that. But right now they could know, they, like, they bill me this day, I get it instantly and they know that. Why do I still then have four weeks or three weeks to pay? So there's a lot of other ramifications if we shift away from that reliance. And obviously, you know, there are some people who still rely on those things, but I don't think it's so, so time sensitive at this point. No, I don't think so. I think it comes down to the main point is just making Canada Post more efficient in general for it to have a long-term future. And I think it still does. There's people do rely on it for jobs and there are good jobs to be had there, but I think it does need to become more efficient because when you're competing with companies like Amazon Prime, et cetera, Canada Post is a huge organization. It's not some Mickey Mouse startup. It's something that's existed for a long time, has name recognition and has the networks to be able to deliver stuff on time and efficiently. And I think it means transitioning more towards a model that's built on packages and other goods that people actually want and need and they're on the rise and doing that efficiently means that they can close their gap because it doesn't make sense to me when you have more parcels shipped every year i think when i was looking at the stats canada post only had like two or three what they call like one million dollar parcel or one million dollar package days like five years ago and i think it was 2016 or 2017 maybe even they had i think it was 53 or something like that and that growth is just going to keep going up and yeah. with that growth it doesn't make sense to me that a company can have be $20 million in a hole per quarter if you have growth like that in the service that you're providing. Yeah. So I think it just comes down to them being more efficient and kind of modernizing their service as they go forward. Yeah. So other than, like, other than the overall shift towards package focus, what within that you know, can really, do we think they can focus on? Because FedEx, Purolator, uh, UPS, that's what they do. They seem to be making you know, a good living off of it. They're doing well. Why is Canada Post? I would be very surprised if the mail delivery alone is sinking that much from the packages. So like, is there a better way to do it? One, um, someone I was talking to said, you know, weekend deliveries, people want their packages right away. There is Amazon Prime. That, if they refocus on that, why don't they have weekend deliveries, right? And there, you, if you're talking about employing more people, you have another two full work days as well um, that you're shifting away from the people who, obviously, you know, maybe people don't want to work on weekends, but people work on weekends in lots yes. of different industries, right? Um, and that's definitely something that would help them compete. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I think it just comes down to maybe a labor issue, that the amount of employees that they have, people who've been there for a very long time, as I would make an assumption that most Canada Post employees are, wouldn't be in favor of either having their wages lowered, losing benefits, or having to start working on weekends in that kind of shift there. So I think it comes down to that's probably part of the issue of moving that forward. But I think if they can expand into that, that does allow them to either hire new people or transition people into the roles or out of those positions into other positions, because I think that's a real way for them to grow. And people want their stuff now. When you click send, you want it immediately. You don't want to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. And if they can deliver it just as fast as Amazon or FedEx or wherever, then they're going to have more business. But again, so other than you know, the example of rural communities where maybe they're not served, in Toronto, there's lots of competition. You can also, I'm sure at some point, it wouldn't surprise me if Uber got into the purely package delivery business. The same way I can order my food from any restaurant now and Uber will deliver it. Why doesn't every store have shipping through Uber, right? That's the main reason they didn't used to have delivery. It was a big overhead. So that's a market Uber could get into. At that point, is there, 
do we need the government competing in such a saturated market in major cities? Not if they can't compete. And at this point, they're not competing appropriately with any of the other companies. Because if you took their support out and said, well, now you have to have be balanced per year, they're clearly not balanced and they would just simply go under. So they're still being propped up and they seem to be playing catch up with every other single company that's going on instead of trying to take steps forward like weekends or autonomous vehicles or something else to say this is what we're going to try and do. And there isn't really much of a shift because it's not a politically positive issue. Even when the Conservatives cut um, door to door or wanted to cut door to door, people freaked out that they have to walk down the street to get their packages. That's hardly a huge change for most people and that wasn't even Canada Post or any of their workers getting upset generally. It was just the public worrying about having to go down the street. So when you start changing those things, nobody really wants to touch it because you're not gaining any political points. You're just probably angering people, Canada Post, and all the people who are getting mail. And generally, older people get mail and older people vote more. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna get any points for doing that. So I think that's one of the reasons why governments don't touch it and they just let it sit. Like Trudeau hasn't done anything. He said he'd cancel the yeah. existing post boxes and you won't hear anything about Canada Post until the next election. It might be brought up a tiny bit, but nobody's people, gonna promise yeah. anything on that. People just seem to not actively care about the mail. They kind of passively care about the mail. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that's in the back of your mind and when it screws up, you hate it. Um, now, one thing that the Canada Post could do, uh, weed. And so weed right now, it's gonna become legal and there are gonna be opportunities where people want it delivered and shipped to various places. And so there would be potential concern from some part of the population being like, well, who is controlling that? And Canada Post could be like, you know, we are a government run organization and we are the primary people who are able to ship weed in Canada. So there is maybe not the, you know, the government may or may not want to go in that direction, but it, it is an opportunity for them to, you know, segregate Canada Post in a way that makes them the monopoly. Yeah. Force their hand in some yeah. way, right? But that's interesting. I hadn't actually thought of that because um, medicinal weed is legal right now to get, I mean, it's only legal to get through the mail, actually. Um, and I don't know if it's exclusive. I would assume it's exclusively through Canada Post then because it's through the mail. You can't ship it with UPS. Uh, so that's very interesting. And some provinces have said they will legalize it through the uh, recreational through the mail. That's actually very interesting. But then does that, again, like you said, some people would be opposed to propping up like giving them a monopoly on that sort of sales yeah. is also contrary to free market. And you know, my, my weed is a free market, but the shipping isn't. And you have to pay $20 on shipping no matter where you're buying it from. That seems off a bit as well. Yeah, it's a touchy subject. And you know, if Canada Post wants to you know, distinguish it themselves apart from the other major uh, delivery companies, you know, it's something they have to you know, go at quick do it well and then hopefully they get enough traction and they say okay fine other people can come in but you know they need something to push them into whether that's a weekend delivery or anything they need something to kind of make them relevant again right yeah. and going back to letters um, something I thought of is you know we obviously know that letters are sent far less than they ever have been and like postage is going up and up because of that as well like are we going to get to a point where it's only you're sending mail for novelty it costs five bucks to send a letter and you do it on someone's birthday because it's a fun thing to get something in the mail and it just becomes it's not like a necessity when traveling a lot of friends would ask for postcards and so on i'll be like why so i would just buy them fill them out and hand them in person because <laughs> you save money that way i didn't re i don't understand like the novelty of it it's yeah. just I think it's fading. I think it might be actually because 
it was funny, I was looking this up because I was sending something international, so I had to buy an international stamp. And I was like, oh, how much is that? It's like, it's 250, which was fine. But then I was like, oh, well, when was, I haven't sent like Canadian mail with a stamp and God knows how long. So I looked it up and it was like way more than it used to be. Like even a few years ago, I remember it was like 46 cents or 52 yeah. cents or whatever. And then now it's, it's gone up way more. And that's in three or four years for being something that was an essential service, but isn't really anymore. So I think maybe you'll see it go as a novelty because I mean, I won't send anything really in the mail. If I see them, I can give them a card or something like that, or at Christmas, yeah. But otherwise, I don't really see there being any market for sending stuff besides on really like extreme occasions if you would really want to make something personal and write it out by hand, because an email really isn't very personable. Um, one thing is that's interesting that they did is the, like, the, the P stamps, right? So it used to be that you had the number, it was 50 cent stamp, and then when they increased the price, 51 cent. So now stamps are actually, if you bought a whole bunch of stamps, you know, five years ago, they'd be worth a lot more than you paid for them because they went up 50%, right? Because of that permanent P. So your stamps actually gain value now, which I think, I mean, it doesn't really make sense because you're buying them at a time when they're, they're an item you buy in relation to a service you're supposed to be using, but it makes sense from a convenience point of view. I don't have to buy a bunch of one-cent stamps to increment my cost, but like, it just kind of shows that it's not really a sustainable practice, that they're trying to like, find all of these not typical economic ways of dealing with it. It's an investment. Now everyone's buying Bitcoin. Why not buy stamps? That's the next billionaire. <laughs> Apparently that's how the Ponzi scheme originally happened is that they actually bought stamps and then sold those stamps and reinvested that money into, that's how they transferred the money through countries. They bought foreign stamps and then, anyway. But one thing that, about Canada Post that they do have is the land. And so they actually own all the land that the postal boxes sit on. Theoretically, they own that small plot of land. Yeah. Uh, and so having that available for you know, someone to come in and rent, lease, whatever it may be, there's also an opportunity of that where a lot of enterprises, actually their biggest business is the real estate, like yeah. McDonald's, like yes, they have restaurants and stuff, but their actual biggest um, you know, value of the company is the actual land it sits on. And yeah. I think that's something that Canada Post also has an advantage of. They have a spot in every neighborhood, outside, within walking distance of every person's home that they have prime access to. And so that's also something they could potentially leverage. What that makes me think of is actually like a hybrid between that and the po and the package services. I don't know if anyone's heard of Bufferbox. That was a startup out of Waterloo. But there's a lot of now you see competitors at gas stations, these kind of boxes where your package can be delivered to. And you get a code, you can punch it in, and you get access to the package. That makes a lot more sense in terms of a post box now than the mailboxes we have. Like, why do I have to be there to accept my package? Why wouldn't Canada Post offer that as their service? You, instead of shipping it door to door, again, you have community package mailboxes the same way we have community letter mailboxes. That makes a lot more sense and like, would be what I would want to move towards. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a much more efficient way to probably move forward. Because again, as we said, it's packages that are kind of the future of the service. And if they do that, and people don't want to order packages and have them left sitting out on your porch. Yeah. Although, I mean, I haven't and nothing's ever happened, but I mean, if someone was just walking down the street at Christmas and enjoy shopping by picking up everyone else's packages and leave, it would make more sense to have a post box that isn't just letters because they're not used very much anymore, to have one that would be just bigger boxes for parcels. Yeah. And I think one of the other reasons letters have just been dying down is 
Like it used to be novel that from the other side of the world or from the other side of the country, you could get something from that person. But I can FaceTime you now. Like I can see you. I can stay engaged. I don't need that service because there's free services that have better engagement. So that novelty of connecting, like people say you lose it, like, oh no, it's not like a handwritten letter from your sweetheart, but I can Skype my sweetheart and see her, right? Like that's a much better thing and it's a free service, right? Um, and so I'm sure like you can also maybe write it, scan it and send it, right? Like I think definitely there will still always be a niche. Like you see, It'll, there'll be artisan mail or whatever, right? There will be services of like, you know, a nice person who has the satchel and still walks and it's like telegram, that kind of thing. I think will be a lot more maybe how it develops long-term, but I definitely think the shift is towards packages. Yeah, but I, I, do, <clears throat> I do think it'll go towards being a novelty because I mean, you can always say thank you to somebody in person or whatever, but I like to write like a handwritten note. Would I send it all the way wherever? Probably not, but in general for other more significant things, I probably would, but like you were saying, I have friends. One of my friends did an exchange in Chile and was there for 10 months. One of my good friends lives in Australia. Like, it's just, why would you try and communicate by time different? It makes no sense. You would easily FaceTime them or Skype them or something else, and you get that more personal interaction. You don't need to handwrite something and ship it across the world anymore. So I think that will just kind of continue to die down. When I was in um, the States over Christmas, I was. I barely use cash for anything, but when I'm in the States, I have some American money with me, whatever, and I'm wondering why I got these pennies back. My pocket's super heavy, and with a huge uproar of losing the, the maple leaf on the penny and everything, and then now, two seconds later, everybody forgets it. It's just kind of something that you have to implement maybe and move forward. And I guess that's a good top spot to end it on, is uh, we think mail's going to go the way of the penny, potentially. <laughs> yes. It's something that we had, but we're not going to keep it just to keep it. Um, but, I mean... There was a lot more to the mail conversation than I expected, so I want to thank my panel for being here, and I want to thank you for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you think about the mail and how it will look in the future. Thanks for tuning into The Safe Space, and I hope you'll tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs>